Whether you want to move on this planet or others, Movement 4.0 from Babies to Astronauts offers you new and exciting insights on gravity, space, and all that happens in between. Welcome to Episode 2, We Don't Fall Down. I know many of you do, try not to, but in general, in this episode, I'm going to be talking about how we organize within gravity and how we don't organize to fall. We actually don't fall and we don't think about falling and really until it's too late. Welcome to Movement 4.0 from Babies to Astronauts. I'm Michelle Turner, creator of Movement Lesson. Many of you know me from my work with special children. From my clinic in Phoenix, Arizona to traveling and teaching around the world, I wanted to reach out to you with my new theories of gravity and felt a podcast would be a great way to connect with you. So I really want to thank you for being here for this episode. I want to start out with Sir Isaac Newton. Most of us think about gravity in space as a constant, right? Gravity is always there. It's a constant. But most of us don't understand gravity as far as how it interacts with living beings, right? This is the door that I want to close or maybe open to some of you to start considering that gravity is a movement force and we have to move within gravity just like the earth does and the sun, the solar system. And that's all done through rotational movement. Now, to learn more about that, that's where you want to start off with my episode one, where I discussed it in further detail. But when Newton had the apple lie or fall on his head, I should say, he noted that, first of all, that the apple always fell straight to the ground. It didn't have a choice but to the ground, like it didn't stop in between, obviously. And then coming to realize that this pull, as he put it, was a constant as far as the apple and the oranges and so forth. It's been noted with other scientists. Obviously, Newton gets the credit for this. We all fall at the same rate. Now, I'm not saying I am not capable of falling down. If I were to trip or you were to trip off of something, yes, we're going to fall and we're going to fall at the same rate as the app. However, we are going to fall constantly different, first of all, because we are not on an axis point. We're not linear in that sense. Now, an apple is thought to be a living being, but when it is falling to the earth, it's actually in the process of dying, which I'll be getting into. And I really want you to stay tuned with the episode because I'll explain what the actual theory or my 10th theory of gravity is that I'm explaining here. When an apple or if I fall down, we would fall at the same rate. However, what I'm trying to say to you and the apple is we don't organize to fall down. Right now, when you're listening to me, you're not thinking, oh, hold on, I'm going to fall off this chair, right? We are organizing to oppose gravity. And when we do that, falling is really not an option for us. We don't consider it. We walk to the car, we, we get dressed in the morning, we put, put the key in the ignition, we grab our coffee cup, all of these kind of actions that we're doing. The actions are not based off of before I grab this coffee cup, I better not fall down. Before I actually hold the coffee cup, it better not fall from my hand. Now, when you are in that stage, then you are my client. You are starting to organize subcoming to gravity, meaning gravity is starting to pull you down. You're losing your rotational movements. You're losing also your buoyancy. I'm going to be going into that in detail with this episode because I firmly believe that not only do we have gravity, but we have rotation and buoyancy at an equal opportunity. Essence, 
why do we even have apples? And why didn't they disappear the second they appear? Because they fell off a tree, right? Apples are there for a reason. They're enjoying the environment that they're in. They have the tree before them. They're playing. They're playing with a tree's buoyancy, the tree's rotation, their rotation, their buoyancy, their interaction within the three of the realm keeps them still on the tree because they're living. There's a level of buoyancy within all of us, a level of rotational movement as a structure, and a level of that spinning binding force, which is that gravity interaction that keeps us opposing gravity. The same thing needed in escape velocity, but when you're dealing with the mass leaving the earth per se, then you need thrust and force because the buoyancy is not there. It's unable on its own to climb to space. But when you're looking at the earth and the sun, we all play within these principles. And it all starts from when we're, were we babies? A friend of mine was, was asking me because people ask me questions all the time, especially on, on infant development. When did her child learn not to fall down? And I laughed and I said, because they haven't learned to fall down yet. Learning to fall down, in a sense, is a very crucial developmental milestone. It starts to happen when a child's starting to go into all four. Now, where this comes into a psychology factor or a physiology factor is now we have astronauts in outer space. Well, they're unable to fall down. Then their ratio, very little gravity, very little rotation, obviously, so their buoyancy rate is very high. They do, in a sense, float in space. They are not falling down in space. They actually do have a float. You really see this when they go to planetary interaction, the way that they can jump in a sense that not like bunnies because they don't have that um, power within the pelvis, but they can leave binding force of the moon at a different ratio than we can leave the binding force of the earth. Not a pinning force, a binding force. Gravity, buoyancy, and rotation. How do you think of buoyancy? Most people think of buoyancy as as a boat floating in the water. There's a buoyancy there that keeps the mass of the boat above the surface of the water. Living organisms reflect buoyancy a bit differently. We do have where the cell can collect and hold oxygen at different rates. What is not looked at properly is how especially your skeletal cells do that to rise. Right. So if I'm getting out of the chair, right, if I'm not pushing my feet into the ground and that is not my center of action as I leave the ground, if I'm if my feet are pinned in a sense to the ground and I'm pushing away from the ground, you really are having some sort of special needs or you're aging very poorly because the organization of standing, first of all, is through the pelvis, but it also goes through the body as a whole. You rise to standing so that there's mechanisms that happen from the birthing process the subluxation starting of the skull as the baby leaves the mother's body, the regulatory of buoyancy. Now, when this does not happen, this is when you truly have signs of cerebral palsy and or hypotonia of some sort, which is genetics, because again, the cells, especially at a skeletal level, are unable to be buoyant and the body wants to again succumb to gravity. And then on top of that, not having the rotation is just a guarantee for special needs of some sort. When you're talking about that same ratio of movement, 
let's say, in death or if I'm being buoyant in the water, right? I'm going to float. Well, the second I pass, if I was in the water, I will immediately sink. So the cellular dynamics of buoyancy really are quite apparent in the human organism where when it's not living anymore, you have that sink. You'll see the same thing in the death of a star. It's not that the mass is so great that it's collapsing within, but you've lost your buoyancy rate within the star. You've now lost a rotation weight, so the gravity supersedes. And when the, the mass supersedes the might, in a sense, it fails. No difference in breaking a hip, let's say, and having traumatized surgery and complications wherein where you've just lost walking. That's what rehabilitation is. And in some cases, the walking doesn't even portray and you have habilitation, which is different. So when you're looking at that ratio of the three, another way of looking at it is let's say we're on a 747, right? When you're talking about weight distribution within that airplane, you're looking at the way weight is moved around within the plane in as a whole. When there's weight distribution within the plane, you're looking at the wingspan of the plane as part of the weight distribution. So on a 747, let's say, on a 747, you can actually have where the plane is affected by turbulence and so forth, but the cargo and the passengers are evened out within that weight distribution. Now, if I had you on a small plane like a Cessna, let's say I had three passengers coming on. Two were 110 pounds, one was 250. So not only would I have to have the two people with 110 pound versus a 250, 50 pound person, but I might actually have to reverse that out to where the pilot was seated. Behind the pilot is a two people with 110 pounds, 250, or I have to use the luggage that's on board because so the weight distribution is not only side to side, up and down, but length width. We have that same kind of effect in babies, right? We call it more so weight transfer. Babies being of a higher bone count, no calcification. So you have a bone density that's different. They were just born. They're about 85% fluid weight, where we, you and I are around 60-65 fluid weight. We have calcification. Our extremities are longer. No matter how they are responding to stimuli, as long as their buoyancy and rotational ratio is the same with gravity, they respond through weight transfer. It's within these dynamics that are being thrown off in a lot of systems that you now see again. They're unable to respond or you see the special needs starting to develop where you see something like a stiff baby, a floppy baby, words like that, ocular movements that are inconsistent. Then you have facial movements that are inconsistent. Some of the biggest moves, you're lying down with your baby and the baby's above you floating in the air in a sense. In a sense, you're playing airplane. Well, that airplane is allowing you uh, to interact with your child and it's fun, right? But you shouldn't see a child fall or come down. Why, why does a child fall down? And I said, well, they haven't learned to, right? So what it is, is that the learning to fall down is part of the process. You really see that when they especially go into standing. A baby really doesn't fall down, by the way. They don't get knocked over. They will get knocked over, especially if the dog goes running by because their balance is poor. They will fall through like a squat. That is a typical development. In, in a sense, you can't fall when you're in weight transfer mode. That's how I can 
really start assessing that a child's in trouble within the first seconds of life because there's a fall in their system. I can, my touch is that sensitive. I can pick it up with my sight and I can certainly pick it up with my fingers. One of the developmental things that I complained at when my son had severe regression is I noted to doctors that he was falling like a drunk. He would fall sideways, backwards, but he didn't, he wasn't falling through his core, his center not knowing that this was a grave problem. And again, this is why I'm here for you. You will see non-typical development. I'm telling you right now that milestone is just not even present in their system. And the other big one to look for is from there, They, if a baby beats a, meets a gravy, when a baby or a toddler meets each other, they're in that kind of walk, they'll actually belly, right? They have a really cute cute meet and greet. They bump bellies. You know, they don't, you know, you and I would never touch by hug by a bump belly. We would go around with our arms and hug. But with babies, you'll see this, this bump. You won't see that in children that are organizing towards autism, let's say, or cerebral palsy, even if they're in some kind of standing, because that kind of force, their buoyancy is not established correctly, nor is a rotation. And gravity, again, is too much of a force to be dealt with. When you're looking at the earth itself, the cores, you're looking at how is the earth buoyant? Well, this is part of the reason why space bends. Space bends very similar to if I was dropping, if you slow-mo and you watch a drop of water coming down on another body of water, you'll first see the body of water bends for this drop of water to come in and then it assimilates and it comes together. Well, we don't come together per se with space, but just like me catching a ball, again, if I had a flat hand and you threw the ball at me, I can't catch the ball. So to aid in the movement, to be a part of the movement, you have the bending of space. At the same time, the dynamics of, like, say, the, the middle cores of the earth, it's molt, you know, it's hot. But again, the heat itself is creating a buoyancy within the core. Now, as the core starts to cool, as it goes to the outer mantle crust area, you will see, quote, a hardening. But this is where, where planets are very interesting as part of their system. The inner buoyancy of the core with the outer buoyancy of the atmosphere, that play, and if you really look at a orbit of the Earth, you know, it's not a circle like we were told in, in math. It's actually has that little squiggle and goes around and it's a spiral base as it supposedly chases the sun. So that again, that, that buoyancy is within. It's that little movement within the Earth that goes back and forth that creates uh, sort of like you're shaking dice in a sense. And But it's all done with, uh, I shouldn't say shaking dice. Let's say I had two Super Bowls in a cup. You'll get that bounce and that gives it some of its momentum. You know, Feynman likes to talk about his jiggly atoms, but look at that buoyancy in planets as if it's a giant atom in that sense. You see that again in the sun, even though it's, quote, the center, it's still a driving force. It's moving. Let's go back to astronauts. They really are unable to fall, right? There's no drunk in outer space. NASA wouldn't allow it anyway. There's no drinking problems up there that I know of. They are unable to fall. There is not enough gravity for an astronaut to fall. There is not enough rotation to bang in that sense. You will have momentum of the speed. The problems that I foresee in outer space, we have this false sense that we need gravity as a catalyst for muscle, right? So you see this with calisthenics, which actually works quite well. I'm not saying it doesn't. If I were to plank and do push-ups, I'm using the 
pull because I have very little rotation in these movements. I'm using Earth's pull then because again, that's what happens when you don't have the rotation as I want to succumb to the Earth. And now I'm trying to oppose that. And we feel at that moment, that's what creates the muscle. To have sustaining muscles, right? That's different. I can lift 100 pounds every day, right? And you will see an increase of muscle mass. You will see an increase maybe of range of motion. But as far as me having the muscles needed for function, for life-sustaining function, that is not where muscles come from, nor the health of the body. The health of the body comes with opposing gravity with rotational movements. So that's why bailing hay was much more efficient than going to the gym. We, we, do, we had different body structures back then. So now we're thinking of superhumans and we're going for the muscles, but in space, we are unable to use gravity as a catalyst for muscles. So you have a real dichotomy right there of how to create muscle mass, especially if you're looking for gravity to be the needing factor, whereas in actuality, you need the opposing to gravity. That's the key with the rotation. So you really have to bring back functional movement, functional movement being the just combing my hair and dressing myself. But I need these keys that I'm telling you or teaching you about to do these movements. It's much more important to me if someone comes to me wanting to do the dishes to have a life skill, the functioning skill. That's what our brains feed off of versus just saying, you know, I want to look like so-and-so and picking any kind of celebrity off the top of their hat. That is not functional movement. That's not going to give you your vitality, that balance, the fluid dynamics that you need to respond to anything. You know, there's an old saying, when a tree falls in the woods and nobody's there, does anybody hear it fall? Trees don't fall. We have forest. We have, we have living beings all around. Trees are really some of the greatest dynamics of everything that I'm telling you. They need the rotation of the earth and then the, you know, opposite, their, their opposing factor is the wind, you know, the atmosphere, right? You're getting the, the whole rotation throughout its entire being in opposing gravity. There needs to be a buoyancy. That's the airlift, just like I was telling you about airplanes and so forth. All those dynamics are in something as simple as a tree. However, when there's a buoyancy issue, when there's rotational issue, gravity's going to win, right? And that's what's going to pull the tree to earth. You can say, yes, a tree died because it didn't get water. Well, why did the tree right next to it have enough water? When whatever happens within a system, when these dynamics happen, it's the same for humans. You will start to die. You know, you're starting to fail, I should say. And it all depends on where you are within your movement vocabulary that takes us there. So that's why we don't see uh, just forests just up and falling over. There's a time for everything and, and some do get crowded out, don't get enough sun and so forth. But again, without the sun, then they're not getting enough rotation. So we're, we're taking just a new spin of looking at biological gravity and dynamics within not only our bodies, but the trees, the, the plants, everything that we need. We have to understand these dynamics if we're going to get into outer space. You do not see a plant suddenly growing out of the ground and just saying, ah, I just, I'm going to fall down, right? It, it just doesn't happen. It will succumb to gravity when it's failing, but it doesn't just fall per se. There should be those dynamics. Now, I guess, you, again, you could have a storm, but again, what is the cause when a storm has too much rotation, right? Again, then there's lack of buoyancy, and then again, the combination of too much rotation 
and gravity pulls in. Sorry, you see that with black holes. It's the same kind of dynamics. The, the rotation within it is superseding its gravitational and it's, it's got that sucking very much like a, a tornado would have. Eye of the storm is, is more what you're seeing. Again, I'm studying humans way more than I'm studying those black holes. The next time you're going down that hallway, right? And you're thinking about maybe that toothbrush. I really want you to realize that you are walking through gravity. There's nothing in your being, again, at that moment that is saying, don't fall down. Now, if there's a skateboard left in the hallway or a Lego left in the hallway, you might start organizing differently with your footing. But I really want you to think about when was the last time you were even thought about don't fall down. Let me tell you, when you're a child with special needs or you're someone who's aging and you have had a good fall, you could be a 15-year-old and had a good fall. When you've changed the dynamics within your body, this is why a hip fracture is deadly to a lot of people within the first year. You cannot change our psyche over to don't fall can't, don't fall. Don't fall is one of the quickest aging processes within our body. But again, not having those dynamics at all in outer space, this is why too, those, they come back and they just, they just fall in a sense into the beanbag. Their tongue is falling, right? They've lost the nervous system responses to everything that I'm telling you about. They can't even get up. Their, Their brains are just saying, and it's not about muscle mass. Yes, the atrophy is there, but little old ladies can go to the store with no core strength, just fine. If they have good balance and they have good rotation, right? This is why I admire people from other countries um, at their aging process. They have cobblestones, they have sidewalks, they were doing all they think. They have much more skilled dynamics within space, especially with their peripheral vision. You don't see that here. We've paved paradise. I think really that's why our statistics for a lot of I'm not going to say mental illnesses, but illnesses that affect the brain and a psychological level is a problem and it really needs to be worked with. This is where you see amazing skateboarders. Now, I'm not telling you to all go right now and go zip lining and just say, hey, I've dealt with my fear factor of falling. That is not what I'm telling you about. When I reach for a cup, when you reach for a cup, it's the organization within the nervous system that isn't about the fall. So when you're seeing a child with CP or someone with a stroke and they're just trying to take a cap off a toothpaste or grabbing their fork, even what you might think is in sitting, even you might think is in lying down where they should be completely secure. If their nervous system is organizing around, I don't want to fall or don't do that, you might fall. The nervous system is just consumed within that relationship movement in general, whether it's the astronauts or ourselves, when you improve that dynamics of gravity, buoyancy, and rotation, that's where you're going to improve for your lifetime. It's it's not so much about the muscle mass, that core strength. It's much more about core movement. This is why standing, it really comes from your pelvis. It can organize all of that. If you're again at that stage where you're pushing up off your feet and you're grunting, trying to get up out of that chair, you need to really see someone and work on that because that's another thing about these dynamics that I'm talking about. There are many people because they don't know that they're aware from it. There's many people that just aren't aware of these dynamics. This is why I'm doing this podcast is to start to teach all of you about these different levels of movement. But when someone's looking to move, someone's trying to change the way they move, they have to have a comparison. 
So that's where also the brain comes in. When there's no comparison, there's no learning, but there's also no arrangement cognitively to change what they are doing. There has to be that comparison of two. So that's why falling comes into play when we're toddlers, right? We're closer to the ground. We've got bigger bellies. It's, it doesn't hurt. We've got the diapers. We go up, we go down. It's actually part of our successes. You don't see an infant doing anything masterful within that walking, standing, pre-crawl stage going into a light run. Falling is involved. And it's actually, again, not a fall. It goes into a squat, a pubic bone strike going down. It makes them laugh. We, we love to jump into water. We love to do these things. We cl- climb over couches. We lose these opportunities as life comes in and we're told to sit down and study at school and not having those movement dynamics. Um, the iPad's not helping um, um, the technology as far as that stationary because then especially too, uh, we're not going into our spinning milestones from an age like two and a half to five where you're starting to do anything from somersaults to cartwheels, which you have to achieve if you're going into master's level needed for anti-aging later. We, we rely on a foundation of movements. But again, looking at bringing this into a space travel, there needs to be a new philosophies. The math quiz that I need from you guys is, is not only the mathematical formula of gravity, rotation, and buoyancy, but we have to set up new standards on evaluating people and letting them know or giving us more of a range, not a range of motion, not a range of muscle mass, but a range of functional movement and how that brain, that system not only interacts when it's available, but how it can manipulate and create said forces in outer space and then back on earth. That's what's going to get us off this planet. It's one of the keys. This is why I jumped and I'm giving you the 10th milestone, or I should say my theory of gravity prior to then my second, I will be jumping around. That's just what I do. A living organism will not just fall down like a board. It will have variations of the response through rotation and lack of rotation with factors of buoyancy that can counter the force of gravity in living being. This is my 10th theory of biological laws of gravity. I hope you really enjoyed rethinking how we move. Remember, we don't fall down. Now, if you found this interesting, more so if you find yourself that you are trying to prevent a fall, please reach out. There's no reason for it. You'd be surprised how much it happens in athletes. This is the part where they're aging. You know, I always say that I can put two years on an athlete for their professional career because that's what's starting to happen. The hits get a little bit harder. The falls get a little bit harder because these dynamics are getting, in a sense, thrown from you. And then on top of that, what you think to get better is you add muscle mass to it instead of movement. Movement dynamics are within all of us. They're necessary for our life. They're necessary to be studied. We've got to lessen special needs and we've got to get us off the ground. Base travel is coming, whether you're prepared for it or not, but it needs to be done within these dimensions of gravity. And I hope you're enjoying this. Please subscribe. I look forward to seeing you next Friday. Have a great week. Thank you for being here. It's Michelle Turner.